Hi, and welcome to More Than a Refresh, a podcast about data and the people who wrangle it. I'm Amanda Nystrom, the Chief Operating Officer at Command Prompt, a leader in open source excellence since 1997. We hope that you enjoy the podcast today and contact us for your Postgres and full stack needs, including 24-7 support. Find us at 503-667-4564 at commandprompt.com or at sales at commandprompt.com. Enjoy. More Than a Refresh is brought to you by Greenplum Database. Greenplum is a PostgreSQL-based, open-source, massively parallel database for analytics, machine learning, and AI. A VMware technology, Greenplum is a modern database that isn't limited by your data size or vertical scaling limitations. For more information or to get in touch, visit greenplum.org. Welcome to More Than a Refresh, a podcast about data and the people who wrangle it. Our guest today is Nikolai from Postgres AI. Nikolai, introduce yourself. Hi, JD. Thank you for the invitation. Uh, my name is Nikolai Samokhvalov. Samokhvalov is hard to pronounce to most Americans I know, but th that's why I do it. Uh, and I'm like very long-term Postgres user, uh, Postgres household like evangelist or something like that, uh, since I think 2005. 2005. So you and I, we first met uh, in Maryland at Postgres mm -hmm. Conference East back in mm -hmm. 08, I think it was. Right, right. Uh, was, what did you uh, think of that show? <laughs> it, it was the second conference outside of Russia uh, for me. The first one is 2007 PGCon. Uh, since mm -hmm. I, I was... Okay. I took some part of, of development uh, of XML data type and functions uh, together together with uh, Pavel Stechel and uh, Peter Eisentraut. So, mm -hmm. and at the same time, I also um, was already a co-founder and CTO of some social networks in Russia. Actually, historically, the first social network was called Moi Crook. It's like my circle. It was sold to Yandex. Uh, to Yandex. And uh, of course, we used Postgres because it was my cho my choice. And I, I came to Maryland to talk about uh, how Postgres is good for, for Web 2.0. 2.0, so, back in the day. My, yes, my talk was called like, Postgres is good for Web 2.0. So this is what this is my, okay. my topic. Yeah. Well, for those who don't know uh, and or have just started listening, um, I've been an organizer of the United States Postgres Conference for, well, I mean, I started it uh, back in 2007. Our first one was at you know, uh, Portland State. And we went from running in little community colleges. We even ran in like Seattle Community College at one point. And now when we run, we run at things like Marriott's and Sheridan's. Um, and it's all nonprofit and volunteer driven. Um, in, in your professional life, I mean, one of the things that you've said, and you allude to this already in our discussion, you said that, uh, you know, you're addicted to Postgres. Yep. Um, and, you know, I, I've been known to use it on occasion. So why don't you talk to me about that? Why are you addicted to Postgres? Yeah, well, I, I don't like a lot of things in Postgres, but still I'm addicted and uh, I don't see any better solutions. Uh, so I, like sometimes even like I remember in uh, our Russian community, Russian speaking community, I was blamed for uh, criticism because I know like I raised so many problems, but still I love Postgres and why I, I'm addicted. Uh, I had uh, pr um, 
education in the area of computer science and we focus on databases, databases theory and so on. And it was very good, uh, you know, the best I would say in Russia. I uh, Then I even uh, was briefly uh, a teacher in, in Moscow State University uh, showing Postgres. But then uh, startups and Web, web 2.0 uh, was booming. And uh, I was lucky enough to become a co-founder and uh, I needed to choose uh, some open source. So I had some experience with Oracle and SQL Server in my early mm-hmm. uh, uh, years of career. Uh, in banks, some boring stuff. Banks, banking software and so on. I don't like it because of lo- very long release cycles. But but web, web attracted me very quickly because of very fast feedback from users. So we needed to choose database technology for our social network. And I first, of course, chose MySQL. But it took me only one week for, for me to realize that I cannot survive with MySQL because it doesn't follow the principles I learned at university. And the mm-hmm. problems like some 000 dates and so on. It, it was, I remember it was also my sum to 3.23. I don't remember exactly, but I, I needed to repair table a lot and so on. So no reliability. So this, is, this would be like pre-NODB days and things like that for MySQL. Well, NDB was was there, but it lacked something like full text search or something. So you needed to combine things, as, as I remember. It. And, and uh, I, after one week, I was uh, in, in the same stress as in, in the stress working for a banking software, developing banking software. But uh, then I was lucky enough because we hired a, a student, uh, like last year student or even PhD student from Moscow State University from astronomy um, department who told us, oh, I know Alec Bartonov, and you know there is something called Postgres. You should meet with Alec and you should check Postgres. This this is uh, what we did, and uh, this is how I met Alec. And uh, I checked Postgres and took me one day to convert. I just replaced, you know, this uh, back, back ticks to double quotes. And right. Fixed <laughs> and fixed... And fixed a few problems. One of them was, by the way, interesting. Uh, I had, uh, so I, I developed some my object uh, uh, relational mapping. Uh, I called it data mappers, following some big and four um, uh, the patterns, you know, like object uh, object patterns. Uh, but uh, I, when I switched, I saw how Postgres. It's good everywhere, but. Uh, dealing with metadata, working with catalog, system catalogs, it was slow. So I needed to put an additional uh, layer of caching. This was only the only concern I had at that time for two projects. Mm-hmm. But later, I had my, my, many more concerns because it was, I think it was 8.0 or 1, and we had issues with auto-vacuum tuning, uh, and I think maybe auto-vacuum didn't exist at that time. Also, replication. Replication was a big thing. So we need to deal with slowing and longest and so on and so on. Yeah. Jan and I, Jan is, as you know, but for our guests, Jan is the primary architect of slowing uh, back then. Um, and I have sworn at him with many various flavors of curse words because of slowing. Right. Um, before we get back to into the Postgres, though, um, you know, we talked a little bit about your background. Um, what, what did you, you know, growing up, we all have our visions and our dreams. What did you want to be when you were growing up, when, when we were young? 
Interesting question. Uh, I had a career in social networks area. So Postgres for me was just a tool. I founded three social networks. Two of them were very successful and with good exits. And I was always thinking my, about myself as a founder. And uh, I, was, I was trying to uh, like move away from technical field. But then in, when, in 2013, I like, so this dream didn't uh, actually like was accomplished uh, fully. Like only like kind of partially because uh, th there are much bigger social networks that I built. I built only like up to 20 million users. It's like small, small size uh, compared to the right. whole audience we have. Even if you consider only Russian segment of internet. Uh, but uh, then uh, when I moved to the US in 2013, uh, I found myself... Uh, it was like coincidence. Uh, at the same time, I, I needed to convert uh, all my income to to US because it's not fun when you have income in rubles and then Crimea happens. Uh, and then ruble drops two times and so on. And also remote work at that time. I, we did it in, in that time, before, much before COVID, but it was uh, very hard. At the, at the same time, I found that a lot of companies started to use Postgres already there. And being in Silicon Valley, uh, meeting some founders, mentioning that I, I know Postgres, I started to receive uh, requests uh, to help. And this is, this is how I, I was reborn, actually. And I decided uh, to stop my all social network business completely uh, and uh, just focus on Postgres entirely. And so I have a new dream. I have a new dream to make a revolution in, in, in the development uh, industry related to databases, which revolution we can discuss because I have ideas, but I just want to make something interesting and big and uh, influential and feel that I made something, not just build some company. It's not enough for me. I want to change how people work with databases, actually. I, I, I think that's interesting uh, because one of the reasons that we do Postgres conference, right? It, you know, we do a whole people Postgres data thing where we're trying to encourage our community to think beyond the fact that, you know, that yes, Postgres is the, the one thing we have in common, right? No matter what, we have that in common, you and I, um, but also that we exist outside of that, that some of us are hunters and some of us are athletes, not a lot of us are athletes, but some of us are athletes right. and, you know, some of us are, are chefs and that type of thing into to bring about a more complete picture of who is actually in the Postgres community. Um, you know, back in 07, this is before you came to the States, uh, and I'm curious as to why you, you've immigrated to the States. Uh, but before we get into that, you did start, I, I guess, Russia Postgres or the Russian speaking community, correct? Right, right. Tell us, about, tell us a little bit about that. Well, yes. So I, I, I was very happy to find such good database system as Postgres. I, I quickly fell in love with it. And uh, so it, it was, it, it, I had a strong feeling uh, with uh, people uh, that I worked with. We had a strong feeling that uh, it's only the beginning, it should grow. And we decided to, at the same time, in 2007, uh, a technical conference called uh, called uh, High Load also organized, and I somehow became the a, a part of it as a community uh, program community member. 
and first guest I invited was Bruce Momjan. So it was like interesting. And I know you also visited this conference. And it was 2007 was interesting here in general. And we, at the same time, we also decided we want to organize a user group because we heard this, this, this about such concept. Uh, so uh, this guy, his, his name is Ivan. We, we hired uh, who was, a, he is, by the way, still astronomer. Uh, together with him, we organized this user group in Moscow. Uh, and we did a lot of interesting things. For example, we in 2008, I remember, and I, I, I saw mentioning uh, later many times, we, did, we organized a, a so-called like a battle between Postgres and MySQL. We invited both uh, developers who developed both systems and uh, big users who, had, who have big uh, OLTP systems running on these uh, uh, databases. And uh, it was like round table style, but table was divided into two halves. And uh, big audience, they asked a lot of questions. But somehow that event was a uh, um, stop. It, it ended my chapter one with user group because I, I felt so nervous organizing it. Maybe just lack of experience, you know. So I decided to make a pause. And I continued only after 2013. When I saw okay, so how... When I saw how George Berkus is running a user group in San Francisco, this inspired me right. once again. Mm -hmm. So now you're in the States. How does your relationship with and uh, with obvious issues now uh, in Russia? I mean, how how are you? How are your relationships there? Yeah, good question. In 2013, we, we uh, my wife and I migrated, decided by purpose. Then uh, Russia invaded Crimea. Uh, crisis uh, for us, uh, well, it was like logically was uh, already immediate, like it's something wrong is happening. For example, interesting fact that uh, I worked on XML uh, using uh, Google Summer of Code grant uh, sitting in Crimea, where I also met uh, Alexei Klukin. I, I know he mm -hmm. worked sometime uh, in your company uh, long ago. And uh, it was like, it was feeling very good to sit in a very beautiful place like Crimea and work, but, but it was much before uh, uh, invasion happened. But when invasion happened, the ruble dropped and also this remote work, uh, I lost a few important people who apparently do, could, not, could not work with 11 hours difference, time difference. Mm. It's, it's very, you need to be very asynchronous. So I needed to, I, 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 I got, I've got a big crisis actually. Uh, so I, I just like, I, I realized that I will continue coming to Moscow and uh, I, I had uh, offline uh, meetups uh, since 2014. I remember I was asking who can, who can host, who can help hosting. And uh, Yandex was one of uh, companies who said, yes, we can. Uh, and uh, more than 200 people came. At some point they closed registration because they said we are out of coffee break uh, capacity because they wanted to provide co coffee to everyone also. Like, okay. right. <laughs> and also they asked the last minute, they asked, is it okay if we also add a very small lightning talk, like 10 minutes about our stuff? I, I said, okay, you're like hosting. Of, of, of course, what is it? They said, it's how we migrated uh, Yandex Mail from Oracle to Postgres. I said, what? <laughs> it should be like, it well, should be, it should be <laughs> two hours. Yeah, we want a real talk, not 10 yes. minutes. We want the whole yes. thing. Yeah, and they did that later at uh, different conferences later. It was uh, interesting 
use case as well, showing how Postgres can can be can replace Oracle in very heavily loaded system. So it was the uh, this is how user group reborn. But at the same time, I was visiting right I, uh, because of business and so. On. At the same time, I I knew it, but that I like two things. First, I want to use the power of online, so. I started to do online events uh, together with Ilya Kosmetimiansky, uh, co-founder of Data Ygrid, uh, the consulting mm-hmm. company. So they, uh, like, we started to do also online events. And the second thing is that um, uh, actually, this uh, um, uh, the, that, at that point uh, the group was called PostgreSQL Russia. At the same, uh, I already saw many people are outside. A lot of people are outside. Somebody, somebody is in Australia, somebody is Germany, US, uh, everywhere. I was meeting people in San Francisco meetup group for, uh, who wor- worked with me like a few years ago. It was interesting. <clears throat> so, so I decided to, to re- rename, by, by, on purpose, to rename to Ru Postgres, uh, highlighting that it's not uh, Postgres Russia anymore, it's Russian-speaking Postgres. Because we have, I also already, it was after, after Crimea happened, and I also feeling like Ukrainians also speak Russian, most of them. And I also, I, I don't want to lose them. And I have so many friends from Ukraine. This is like, it was painful for me when it happened. What happened this year is like, uh, it's, it's a shock. And, and so, pain, 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 or constant pain. Yeah, I, if I recall, and I actually could be wrong about this because I, I sometimes get, you and one other of one other Russian uh, uh, confused. Um, but were you, did you recently stop help offering to help with one of the conferences in Russia? Yeah, I was, as or I've was, said, as I've said, I was uh, one of uh, program committee members of High Lot Plus Plus since the very beginning right. of 2007. And I was responsible for a database uh, section of the conference, bringing various guests. So, a lot of Postgres guests, of course, and uh, I, I proposed them internally in the chat. I proposed them to make some statement uh, against war uh, after February twenty fourth. But uh, I was my messages was deleted by the main organizer, so I said uh, either I leave or I will repeat these messages. So it was internal censorship. So I decided to step back from this. After how many years? A lot of years. So. Yeah, I mean, it was 2007 when you started. I mean, that's like 16 years. Um, yeah, it's it's unfortunate that you know the Russian government has chosen the path that it has because it really puts it puts a strain on the community because there are post QL, A lot of people don't realize this is heavily uh, developed by mm-hmm. a lot of of the Russian community. Um, and it, you know, I, I'm often asked, you know, why would I, e- even before this happened, um, but even with like Crimea and things like that, you know, why would I be willing to go to Moscow and teach, or why would I be willing to go to Beijing and teach? Um, and my response is always the same. It's like, I can't change governments, mm-hmm. but I can help people. Right. You know, right. the person learning Postgres or wanting to contribute to Postgres they don't have any control over what the government decides to do of their country. Right. 
Um, but I certainly can understand, you know, I think that everybody recognizes that the current actions by Russia are out of scope, right? It's not, this isn't, it's this isn't brutal. some, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah it, it, it's brutal. For, and, and, you know, Crimea was bad. I mean, I lost, um, we lost to uh, longtime developers. You mentioned one of them, Alexei. Um, because of the Crimea issue mm -hmm. and they were, you know, vital members of our team. They helped us develop many of our technologies, uh, and because of the actions of, you know, a bad actor being Russia, uh, we were no longer able to support them. Um, and that's really unfortunate. Now, luckily they both have, you know, they've all both moved to Germany now. Um, so they're, you know, they're doing much better. Um, so you call it the, I mean, we discussed this already, actually, why you call it the Russian-speaking uh, user group. Uh, let's, uh, what role do you think that diversity plays with Postgres developers, right? Because we've seen a lot of consolidation with Postgres lately, over the past couple of years. I mean, OpenSCG disappeared, Creditive has basically disappeared, uh, Second Quadrant has been absorbed by Enterprise DB. Uh, I think it's Enterprise DB 7.0 now, but I mean, Enterprise DB. Uh, so do you think that we're, as a community, that we're getting weakened by this consolidation or not? Well, it's an interesting question. Also worth mentioning how um, actively Amazon and Microsoft are hiring people lately, right? It's like a, a lot of hackers <laughs> hired and uh, it, it looks like two huge camps uh, are organized. Well, uh, at least it's two, not not one. And plus, ADB, it, it's already three camps. I don't know. I, I, I feel lack of diversity all the time I work. I, I know Postgres and deal with it as a project. Lack of diversity all the time, all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, uh, uh, so you mentioned the Russian-speaking uh, contributors but none of them are really uh, involved into making decisions, core decisions or something. No, no females there as well. So this diversity issue is not new, it's old. Uh, but today we have, uh, back to the Russian speaking community, we have a big division, it's divided. And uh, for example, the, uh, product we develop a database lab engine uh, uh, before the war this active phase of war started uh, I've heard very good uh, uh, use cases for example Burger King Russia good good okay they use us good I hope they're still there I'm not sure because McDonald's and Starbucks left and many others left or Russian Telecom Russian Telecom is a huge like uh, state controlled uh, telecom it's like monopoly in in Russia and I was surprised to hear they use it, use us in a few projects already and they are very happy our open source part not paying us yet I thought uh, but uh, then I saw after uh, after the war active phase of war started this guy who did it who implemented our solution inside their company he said that the Ukrainian language is not real language, you know, a lot of harassment things. So I, I like excluded them from everywhere and, and told him directly that I'm not going to deal with him anymore. 
So the div div this division is very hard, and it's 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 it splits even families, not just Postgres community, and we feel it. But I need I want to remind that in the world uh, there are three million Russian-speaking people, and only hundred. 300 million Russian-speaking people. Only 140 of them live in Russia, less than 50%, right? So still, like, I, I'm, I'm sure this year um, made a lot of, made, made big, big contribution to reducing Russian language usage, right? <laughs> Even, for example, I do more English-speaking events than, than before February 24th. But of course, all Ukrainians prefer choosing their own language, not, not speaking Russian anymore. This is very understandable. But still, uh, a lot of people outside Russia. So uh, probably we should think about how to like preserve RuPostgres as uh, as community. And I know I know exact people who are supporting the war inside Postgres community in Russia. And I'm not going to work with these people. But the bigger problem to me is that uh, there are good people inside bad organizations. For example, I consider Postgres Pro as a, a supporter of war because when it was founded, it was it was founded after Crimea in 2015 uh, with the idea of uh, replacement of Oracle and SQL Server to help Russia to be independent because Russia understood that it should be independent from the US. So some money supported this. Uh, I know person who provided money, like it's not, not, not a secret, not a secret. And Alec uh, and Theodore and Alexander Karkov at that time, he left already. Uh, they just was, we were lucky to meet that guy and uh, organize a company. Everything was looking great in the beginning. Uh, and, but, but the signs like uh, visit of uh, Minister of Telecom to their, the first their, and the second conference, already was like uh, a bell for me. It, it ringed some mm -hmm. bell for me, to me already in 2015. And, uh, but now it's obvious they have contracts with uh, military, military organizations, with uh, organizations which directly, with secret service organizations and directly or indirectly through some uh, uh, like uh, consultant, additional consulting companies. They, uh, they, their DNA is to help Russia to be independent and make Russia strong in terms of software and military organizations use Postgres Pro. So I think uh, like it's, it should be like obvious to everyone who uh, visit their conference, for example, that this organization is involved into war through, through Postgres. Do you think that, actually, before I ask this question, I, I do want to address, you mentioned something about core. Um, for those that don't know, um, and frankly, most don't, the, the PostgreSQL community, PostgreSQL.org community specifically, uh, its steering committee is called core. And the mm -hmm. core group, I think there's, I think it's seven people now. Um, mm -hmm. what, uh, Nikolai was referencing is there are no, uh, no women on core, uh, which has always been a relative, uh, depending on who you are, a, a relative, a source of contention. Um, they're not elected, they're self-appointed so that there, there's by default, a little bit of conflict of interest in terms of the value of core versus the value to the community and things like that. Um, you know, it, it all, you know, from a, 
from one perspective, nobody complains because everybody's making money hand over fist with Postgres, right? I mean, if you if you know PostgreSQL and you are not making money, you are the problem, right? That that's how popular PostgreSQL is right now. Um, but on the other hand, for people like Nikolai and I myself, who've been you know I've been in the community since I've actually been in the Postgres world longer than PostgreSQL has existed. Um, it, it's been a, a I don't want to overpronounce it, but it is a little bit of a source of contention. Core probably should be elected. Um, contributors should be the ones that vote. But then you have to determine, like, who's a contributor? Are people who speak but don't do code? Are they contributors? Things like that. Anyway, um, moving on from that, because, I mean, we could talk about the politics of PostgreSQL.org all day long, and I, I don't think it helps anybody. Um, what, you know, isn't there something to be said? And I believe me, I understand what you're saying about Postgres Pro. Clearly the, the, the connections are made that they're working with the military, working with the government. Um, and obviously Russia has done some bad things. Um, but as a proud American, I can also say that my country has also done bad things. Yeah. And, I agree. you know. Right. Yeah. So there is, I mean, we're not a perfect country um, and we certainly don't always have perfect leadership. Um, and, you know, you, you read about these things now where, you know, certain developers are trying to create ethical open source licenses uh, or they, you know, you get people striking at Microsoft because Microsoft does business with the U.S. military. Mm -hmm. What, how is that different than, say, Postgres Pro doing business with the Russian military? I mean, they're a Russian company, right? So where's the conflict in your mind? The conflict is that, uh, in, okay, uh, invasion, invasion to Iraq was terrible as well. But uh, yes. there is a position which is not in prison in the U.S. A position in Russia, it's either outside Russia or in prison. So there are, no, there are zero chances to fight it. That's it. There are zero chances so to that, end from inside. It will not end from inside. In the US, there is always a hope for a better future because there are many uh, forces. They, they sometimes fight, but there is a hope that something better will, will win. In Russia, there is no hope. So it's, it's total. And... and um, for, for example, today's news, Navalny, his, his lawyers have no connection to him anymore because, because they put some censorship machine between them, uh, <laughs> breaking all the rules. And uh, he's in special... Oh, so like, let's skip it. Uh, it's, it's bad. It's very bad, very bad, and no hope. This is how it is. And people so brainwashed and so on. Uh, but in, in, the, in, in the U.S., people brainwash, but differently. There are many camps as well. I, I like when there are many camps because uh, we can reach some balance. We can find some, like, we, we, there is competition, right? We, we, we can hope that something better will win soon, always. So, so what, what we're really talking about here, I mean, at least from a U.S. perspective, is in the U.S., there, are, there is the concept of rights, 
right? Yep. We have the First Amendment. We have a right to peacefully. This is something that a lot of people like to forget. We do not have a right to riot. We have a right to peacefully assemble and protest. Um, we have freedom of speech, right to bear arms, those types freedom, of things. Freedom of speech. Yeah. For yeah. Freedom, freedom of speech is very important. And uh, in Russia, it's no more, not, not anymore. For example, for my tweets, I can have up to 10 or 15, I don't remember, years in prison, officially by law. Because of so freedom. you're not ever going back to Russia? Uh, until Putin leaves, no. I, yeah, while Putin it's... leaves, no. Yeah. Until Putin dies. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, what we're talking about is, is the ability to disagree, right? In Russia right, yes. now, to discuss, yes. you can't, yeah, you can't disagree. Like I, I can say in, in, by being in the United States, and, and I think that a lot of, of people really need to recognize this because it's similar in China, right? As well as many other countries in the world in that the U.S. citizen or people who are legally here have rights that in other countries just don't exist, yep. right? The fact that you can, and, and I'm going to be harsh here, but in the United States, it is legal to say, fuck Biden, yep. right? It's legal to do that. You, you cannot be arrested for saying that. You cannot be censored or anything else like that, or, or you know, fuck Trump. Or to blame some company for uh, bad things. It's also possible. Yeah, or to blame, yeah, absolutely. As long as long as you're not lying about it, right? You're you're able to to voice yes. that opinion. Yes. Um, and and I think that it, it's an important distinction in the United States because not all. I mean, even countries that you would think do, uh, don't. Germany, for example, ha has mostly free speech, but there are certain things that you are not allowed to do in Germany because of their history with you know Nazis and things like that. But it's, you know, in the United States, for example, it's, you know, it's not nice, but hate speech is legal. It is legal to to hate in the United States. Uh, and a lot of people would say, well, that's not OK. Well, OK, sure. Hate is bad. I would agree with that. But, you know, that's part of freedom. Right. Is the right to disagree. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, so, you know, we talked a little bit about your, your relationship, how things have evolved over post-Crimea. You came to the States. Um, obviously, rubles are certainly not a good investment. Haven't been for a long time, really. Um, um, do you think that, and this isn't, I mean, I, you know, we're, we just talked about how uh, we have this ability in the United States. And we don't in other countries. But do you think that things like are you Postgres, you know, blue Postgres, should those groups be speaking out? I mean, against the, I mean, oh, at least the ones that aren't in Russia, right? Because in Russia, it's a different problem because they could go to jail. They can be killed. Yeah. Yep. And but, we, we need to, uh, we need to admit it. Many people have uh, strong fears uh, to yeah. support and they just uh, support just because they have, they fear uh, express different uh, different uh, uh, statements so like it's it's natural to, to stick to the strong through to a strength right so like well you know one of the things i spoke to uh oh what's it you, you'll know if, if you want to if you want to express different opinion you should be prepared for prison or you need to leave that's it 
This is, for example, in Russia. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we and if we talk about Rupozgas, uh, first thing we did with Ilya, I told him uh, like, like I cannot do it anymore uh, when February twenty fourth happened, uh, I, and we first thing we did we just uh, paused. We don't do anymore right now. We don't do it. So we don't do any talks. One of the latest talks uh, was from Postgres Pro guy. Uh, his name is Igor Rogov. And here I wanted to say a very important thing. We should distinguish organizations and people working at those organizations. Because like, otherwise, like, we lose of them all. Uh, Igor Rogov is a good uh, expert in, in uh, education in the area of Postgres. And he just mm -hmm. recently published uh, English translation of uh, his book called PostgreSQL Internals. It's a great material, very, very good material. Uh, but uh, he's working at a better organization, what to do. So uh, we post, uh, I don't do any, we don't do any more uh, PostgreSQL events, uh, maybe just temporarily, maybe not, I don't know. And we also posted uh, something, some, some, uh, something, so something related uh, to uh, to show people that we don't, we are against war. We not like. Also, there are different. There are different grades of being against war. Uh, many people are saying, "Let's write a letter that we ask our government not to do it." This is what I'm against for against uh, as well. You cannot ask them if. Uh, if somebody rapes a woman, for example, you cannot ask to stop. You should either fight or do something like or like mm -hmm. demand, demand, right? Not ask. So we showed something, like we posted something that some links to good materials, how to deal with this stress, and, and we just post. What's next? I don't know. I, I'm, 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 I switch to English events right now. So it's it's, it's the, the pen is still here after half a year. The pen is still here, and uh, yeah. Well, I'm I, I mean you obviously have family back there probably still, um, and I, I think that's something that we all need to recognize as well is that you know in Russia and we've already said this, but you know they don't have the right to free speech. But you know a lot of the people that are involved. And I can't say all because I don't know them, but a lot are involved in doing what they do because they fear for their families. They fear for their daughters, their sons, right. their, you know, their husbands, their wives. Um, and, you know, if you live in a society where you're surrounded, where everybody but you has a gun, you're going to do what the people with the gun, you know, says that, I mean, that because by our natural existence, you know, it's self-preservation. Um, what do you think, um, do, do you think that open source, like the open source community, do we, do you think we, when we think about this, do we have a role in war? Right. I mean, it, it is there, is there, I'm not even quite sure how to ask it. Right. Because certainly it's, we know that this war is being supported. It's, I don't even consider it a war really, but um, supported by our work. We know this, the work that you have done, the work that I've done, the work that our, our competitors and friends have done in this community, not just Postgres, but Linux and everything else. Do we have a role of some sort to play? Um, because war is different now. This isn't 1944, right? There's quite a bit of war that takes place over internet over the broadband over 
connections that are made, things like that. Yeah, this is a very difficult question to me. So I, I, I'm, I, I'm sure communities, open source communities, should care about how open source they develop is used and what organizations are involved and what they do. But I have zero examples of, of that of for big open source projects. Nobody, I don't know any examples of any open source project which expressed uh, obvious position against war. And uh, like I, I, I see opposite movements. Like let's let's uh, keep connections and so on and so on. And my my strong belief that we should keep connections, but not with organizations, with people only. If organizations mm-hmm. is involved, we should not keep connection because it, it makes community weaker. For example, um, I have two big reasons why I don't feel strong stronger connections with connection with Postgres as I could. First is lack of a good workflow. Each time I try to propose anything in email and so on, I'm lost in email. <laughs> so I, I want GitHub, GitLab, or anything like that. And such strong, such strong project as Postgres could have it. So they lost me as a contributor even to documentation. I, I still try to do it sometimes, but it does work for me. So I'm, I'm, I'm maybe I'm, I'm not too young actually. I'm, I'm 40. So, so like. Email is fine for me, but I cannot. When you felt how GitHub or GitLab or I don't know, like other systems from Atlassian and so on, they work, you cannot, you simply cannot uh, deal with these. Oh, you know, in that line of uh, that patch, you, you, you wrote this. Now let's, let's synchronize. I want comments for merge requests or pull requests. It's mm-hmm. obvious. I want to discuss particular lines, line and have threads and so on. So Postgres lacks it still, and this makes me feel less to, to, as a part of Postgres community. And another thing is this: uh, currently, no statements, and no statements like I see zero chances for any statements against war. Moreover, for example, Bruce Momjan, we had a lot, uh, several discussions, uh, like oral and written discussions with him about this situation. And he listened to me not going to Russia in March. It, was, it would be insane. But he participated online in conferences, High Load and, and Postgres Pro conference, pgconf.ru. And he still plans continuing it and uh, thinking like working with these organizations and uh, just not to lose connections with them. What can I say? Okay. But uh, the problem is that I'm sure Bruce doesn't understand the depth of the problem. And uh, the interesting point is that his own, uh, how to say, ancestors, right? 100 years ago, migrated from Armenia mm-hmm. because of some conflict. So I, I, I would recommend Bruce to think twice about it. So I, you know, th- that is an obvious path, right? Is that those of us who are in the community that are able to speak, not all of us are good at it. Um, we just don't support, you know, we don't support high load or pgconf.ru or those types of things. I mean, that that is an obvious, easy path. But it, it does kind of go back to the idea of, you know, when I was mentioning earlier, I can't change governments, but I can help people. Right. So if I speak right now with pgconf.ru, um, I'm not thinking about it from a perspective that I'm I'm helping the Russian government. I'm thinking about it from the perspective that I am helping 
the Russian people. Right, but this conference is created to promote Pro. The only organizer is Pro. That, so. that's, that is true. And you mentioned earlier that Pro is working with the military. Right. So I guess, yeah, in that particular situation, I, I think you've got a good point. Um, you know, I think, it, you know, I think it's a challenge, you know, because open source is supposed to be agnostic. We're supposed to be above the fray. It's supposed to be about mm -hmm. the technology, right? Um, mm -hmm. So I'm not sure if there's an easy answer there. I, I will say this. I understand why you no longer contribute to Postgres. Um, you know, postgreskill.org. Uh, well, you, no, I'm going to back up. First off, you do contribute to Postgres. You don't contribute to postgresql.org. I mean, postgres.ai contributes to Postgres the community, just not postgresql.org's community. Um, I don't really many participate with Postgres. Right. Right. Many yeah. Well, there's in my mind, the way I always frame it, you know, because I deal with a lot of sponsors, I deal with a lot of companies, um, is that postgresql.org is a member of the Postgres community. They are not the Postgres community. And the reason for that is I also think that Yugabyte, for example, is a member of the Postgres community. Um, but Yugabyte's a fork, right? Um, or Greenplum, and, and I, and I, is actually an excellent example because they've been around forever. Um, and I think it's an important distinction because the idea that somehow PostgresQL.org is the center of all of this um, is, is arrogant, right? It, 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 it's putting an artificial value on what everybody, only what they do. Now, it's not that, I mean, you and I love PostgreSQL. The software is awesome. There is no arguing that. Um, but you're right. The, the development model, development methodology, whatever you want to call it, is beyond broken. But it works for them. And that's fine, but they are they are not gaining nearly as many contributors. You know, I, I speak with Fortune 50 companies about this and they're like, how do I get, how am I gonna be able to contribute to postgresql.org? And I say, well, this is how it works. And universally, the response is that's insane. Yep. We're not gonna put our people through that, right? Um, and it's just not something that, and, and, and that's fine. If PostgreSQL doesn't want those contributors, that's fine. Um, they can do it the way that they do it. Um, but I do think, you know, it, it, when we talk about open source as a whole, I mean, if we're supposed to be agnostic, I, I just think it's a challenge, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, I don't think there's one necessarily one right answer. And obviously for yourself, uh, it, it hits closer to home. Right. I mean, this yeah, is yeah. your people, right? It's, it's so, um, is there anything you want to bring up? I mean, do you want to talk a little bit about like postgres.ai? What are we doing there? Yeah. So I thought we will, we would, um, I expected that we will talk a lot about politics, but I wanted to not to exceed 50% of our discussion, but okay. Let's, <laughs> uh, it's, it's very, you know, like it's very emotional, of course, and so on. And like, uh, I just wanted to uh, emphasize, you wanted to say, okay, like we speak at some conference, we care about people, it's, it's true, but uh, don't expect that you will escape from uh, making decision to, to express uh, position uh, again, uh, related to war and all organizations involved. It, it's inevitable because I tried many years. I, I moved here, I thought, okay, Russia, do whatever you want, right? 
I will I right. will build my own new life here, but still some connections. Okay, like I can distinguish them, but anyway, this evil will spread even more. So everyone will need to make decision, and I hope, for example, Bruce will understand that I was right at some point. That enough about politics. Uh, as for let's 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 frame it like this i i said i want to make revolution and i see where uh development uh, is weak in terms of working with databases uh i for example like we know dbas usually have access to production developers don't mm -hmm. only a few developers right. have only very experienced ones why usually i thought it's because uh, of security but I, as I observe in many companies, security is not number one concern. It's maybe number two concern. Number one concern is that developers develop. They want to experiment. They want to move faster. And uh, often they want to try not uh, mature functionality. So if they have access to production, actually, like I saw some hackers. If you, if you hire a, Postgres, a great Postgres hacker to help with uh, Postgres system, First thing they will do, they will try to use GDB and so on and some experimental extensions and so on and so on. Yep. Maybe it's not a good idea because stability will decrease. It will go down. It will go down. So uh, developers usually don't have access to production. But uh, if, if, for example, if you want to optimize a, a query, you want to check a few index optimization ideas, new indexes or something. You want to create indexes and check how query uh, execution changes. Uh, usually what do you do like create a clone in rds if it's rds or some other machine and these machines are expensive to run i mean full full-fledged clones because you cannot optimize a query on different data set because different statistics right mm -hmm. so you need the same size database same data set same statistics and then you can experiment with query optimization of course, you can run, explain, even analyze with buffers on, right on production, but uh, some sometimes it's invasive. For example, if it's an update, uh, even if you roll back, uh, update or insert, for example, they, they will leave uh, data tuples behind. So it's also right. like it's invasive. But creation of index, it's very stressful. And nobody will say, except a few DBAs, they only can do it because they have 15 years of experience, for example. Okay, they can do it to create an unverified index right on production to save us from bad performance. So developers need some kind of clones uh, that should behave uh, where planner behaves the uh, same as on production. But uh, full-fledged clones are expensive. And usually people end up uh, sharing these clones. Some developer change something, some developer change something, like they conflict. That's, mm -hmm. uh, this uh, observation led us to the idea, let's uh, have a shared environment where we will run thin clones based on copy on write. By default, it's provided by ZFS. Uh, and uh, we will just run dozens of clones on one virtual machine, on one disk, or EBS volume, for example, if you are an, an, AD, an AWS user. And uh, 50 developers will run their experiments independently, checking various index ideas and so on. This is exactly what Database Lab Engine does. It's open source. Uh, we have much more around it. And for example, we put this to CI-CD pipelines and we, we automatically test database migrations, not to allow 
people to deploy bad migrations, right? So this and this is a very very big topic: how to test various database uh, uh, functionality and changes uh, automatically. So th this uh, what uh, many companies like GitLab or, and many others use, uh, and they love it actually, as I see. So like we already doing this two years. And this is our product, and I think it's only the beginning. Uh, recently, I saw Neon decided, they, Neon, for example, it's uh, open source Aurora. They decided mm -hmm. to switch right. to the same topic because Aurora, for example, provides thin clones as well. But in the case of Aurora, thin clones, uh, you need to pay additionally for each uh, clone for compute power. It's a separate. Uh, well, that as well as IO, they charge for IO too. So, IO is also expensive, yes, yes, yes. But the problem, I mean, we run multiple Postgres on one VM with small shared buffers. And we trick Planner to behave the same as on production because Planner, as it turned out, that it's a big coincidence, I like it. Planner doesn't care about shared buffers value. It cares only about effective cache size. So we can set oh, really? it. really? Yes. <laughs> Otherwise, we wouldn't work properly. <laughs> Yeah. Okay. So, Fair so we use the same settings of the planner plus work mem. It's not considered as planner settings, but it also influences the plans. As on production, but we run small shared buffers, like small policies, and we had the same plans and same buffer numbers, same row numbers as on production, but like 50 independent clones on one machine, and you pay only for one machine. This is essential. So Neon, uh, since they use Kubernetes, they decided to focus on uh, testing on in CI/CD using cloning, uh, and uh, somehow the terminology changed like to database branching. Right. Uh, I, I think database branching is different than cloning. So, like, I hope we will find some common ground here. I also know Aureole DB is considering to support database branching na naturally, natively inside Postgres, and some other companies like Superbase they have it in roadmap. So I think it's only the beginning of a big segment in, in uh, software engineering where, when we will have um, powerful database branching and testing capabilities. And yeah, the Neon uh, is actually pretty interesting to us. We've, uh, I've been playing with it off and on when I want to scratch an itch. Um, it, I haven't tested it in about a month, but it's still pretty slow in comparison to uh, native Postgres. So we're running out of time here. So I do, I want to ask you two more questions. And outside of politics, outside of culture, outside of development models, things like that. But what is your favorite Postgres feature? Your favorite oh, Postgres feature? It's a tough question, actually. There's so many features. What is with Wow. Um, my favorite feature of Postgres because it behaves like Linux. It's uh, maybe development also like, like Linux style through mailing list, but uh, I like the behavior of uh, as a product user here because it's uh, uh, it's per it has perfect uh, console capabilities. PSQL, I can right. code anything and know behavior exactly. So it, it it's like Linux style thing, right? I don't need the UI. Uh, I can use UI, but I, if I want a very automated something, I can do it. And this is a very good feature, like core feature, uh, as I see it. There are many features I like, like, for example, 
advanced SQL, uh, very standard uh, compatible, not 100% of course, but still. JSON, of course, a huge thing. Yeah. And so on and so on. Well, for me, uh, since I have always primarily been an ops guy, a DBA, right? I'm not an SQL developer. But so for me, the, the, the feature that I enjoy the most is transactional DDL. Right. Oh, Being yeah, able to add, yeah. Yeah, add a but, column or roll it, run a test, roll it back. But nobody can use it in production under load because uh, create index concurrently and recreate index concurrently, they are not transactional. Right. <laughs> so uh, okay. these, these exclusions lead to us to, to big topic. Uh, the, uh, I think improvements are needed. For example, like many things can, I have an article on, on PostgreSQL blog about, it's called 18 mistakes uh, running DDL under load, something like this. So right. database database migration mistakes. So it's easy to to shoot uh, one your cell, your legs off. <laughs> All right. So here's the second question, and this one I'm sure will be controversial for our PostgreSQL members. What is what about PostgreSQL? I'm talking about the technology. Do you hate? What is the worst thing for you with working with PostgreSQL? Because you, you actually mentioned this in the beginning. You said there's a lot of things you don't like. I mean, you love it, but there's a lot of things you don't like. So what is the thing that you hate even though you love it? Well, yeah, uh, I think it's related to lack of uh, various observability capabilities still. Mm -hmm. There are many improvements that should be made there. But it's improving from release to release every year. But still, it's far from... Uh, uh, commercial, many commercial, very mature systems still, mm -hmm. still far. Like the, uh, dealing with lock is painful sometimes. Or uh, like for example, uh, there is a, a wait event, uh, wait event type, wait event uh, column in PGSAT activity. But oh, actually, you know, I I know the answer. Uh, very very outdated defaults. For example. Oh. Uh, Query in digital activity is only 1024 bytes, right? Yeah. And so many, like AutoVacuum settings, Maxwell size, they are so outdated if you use uh, modern hardware. You, you always need to tune it. No, it, I just actually did a, uh, so I wrote a blog in like an 08 on what the minimum requirements for Postgres was. Mm -hmm. And I just updated it last month. And I actually mentioned that, like, there's other blogs out there that say you only need, uh, say, a gig of disk space. But they don't take into account the fact that your default wall, max wall size is 512 meg, right? right? So that doesn't even take into account that one small part. And then you still need room for your indexes and your data. Um, yeah. No, I agree with you. And I think it goes back to the culture of the, of the community though, right? It was always this idea that conservative. we, yeah, very conservative as well as being able to run on hardware. I mean, we're in the on States, the, on, we have access on, on to really fast hardware. Run it on a teapot. What was that? Run it yes. on a teapot. <laughs> on a teapot, that's right. All right, well, hey, thank you for being a guest. Uh, and with that, this has been More Than a Refresh, a podcast about data and the people who wrangle it. Uh, my guest was Nikolai. I'm not going to try and say your last name, uh, but he's with Postgres.ai. I recommend that you check it out and see you next time. This podcast is hosted by JD. 
Command Prompt Founder and Postgres Conference Chair, and is produced by me, Lindsay Hooper, Director of Events at Command Prompt Inc. Command Prompt provides Postgres support, professional services, custom development, and community leadership. Since 1997, we've focused on providing just excellent service, custom tailored to your organization's needs. We'll see you soon, wherever you get your podcasts.